I'll quickly just record it. Doesn't matter what it's going on. I'm so I'm just so in the mood of just talking. I'm really sorry. <laughs> no problem. Yeah. So I was I was trained in real sky astrology, and uh, that the my teacher called it celestics, and I I got into that. So that's more of like what the current, like what you can see currently in the sky. Um, I haven't been trained on how to read the epics, like the one you actually do change into a different age. Um, it's very obvious whether it's just social engineering or not, that there is a massive change in, in just the overall push of awareness right now. I think a lot of that has to do with the sun and how the sky is being modified. Um, so I don't know if it's natural or not. The best, the best thing I could say is I, I feel like we're switching at age, but I don't, I, I don't have any evidence. I don't have any way of actually saying for certain what it is. Yeah. I've talked to a lot of people that I consider experts in the field and everybody's kind of wishy-washy. You know, I, I, I haven't seen or heard anything definitive, um, but in when it actually comes to the way the sky feels and the way the sun appears to me, it has changed. And I've been an avid sun gazer for, I'd say 13 years. So I have no problem staring at the sun uh, um, after, after dawn and right before dusk for 20, 30 minutes. Like it's something I don't have a problem with. Um, I actively will go out during the middle of the day for a siesta and just be, be with father sky and, and, and mother Tierra, you know, Madre Tierra and uh, just link the two through, through my axis Mundi through my, through, through me, which I find to be very, very uh, regenerate, uh, regenerating and refreshing <laughs> it also is very in tune with my own, uh, what's it called? My, uh, my light cycle, you know, how we all have different light cycles, like, uh, whether or not, you know, you're, uh, a late night person or an early morning person. So, um, I, I'm a big believer in all of that linking with the natural light and, and being in rhythm with that to see how your body is. Uh, when it comes to sky watching, you know, there's been so much spectacular stuff in the sky. And I think a lot of the false idols that are put in front of, are put in front of us are, uh, there to hi hijack our consciousness, you know? So when we see a, a strand of pearls moving through the sky with symmetry, you know, we're told that that's Elon Musk's, you know, Starlink total BS, you know, or, oh, you see this incredibly bright thing that's moving through the sky. And we're told that that's the ISS. No, it's not. The, these are all, uh, they're, they're just trying to hijack our consciousness and our connection to these luminaries, because I think the luminaries are interactive. And I think just like anything in consciousness, once you actually give them your awareness and you want to connect with them, they're like, Hey, Hey, he notices and they, they start to interact with you more and more and more. Yeah, definitely. I'm with you on that. And like, I, one of the biggest truths that I came into contact with very similar, to what you said is that 
you know, because the, there is like when you do look in a lot of the scriptures and stuff, it's kind of like it's not all black and white. You know, there is kind of like a lot of there's a lot of here's in there. You've got to try and like decipher it. But um, I think one of the biggest things that I did when I was observing the luminaries is start to observe it from an emotional perspective. So I mm -hmm. started kind of like using um, like the emotions in terms of like um, like things that I was feeling into wounds that I was working on and then also using prayer as well. Like, I don't know if you've used prayer to with the luminaries. Have you done? Oh, that? absolutely. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. In in Western astrology, one of my very first, the first two Western astrology books I read were from Jan Spiller and that author was really big into using the moon, like the, all the moon cycles and, you know, uh, essentially nodal astrology, which I have a ton of respect for because <laughs> as, as soul groupings work, I find, uh, that's very, very, uh, accurate in, in how consciousness works. Like consciousness always moves things in waves. You know, so it's like, well, the reason why we're relative to people our age, you know, we all kind of came in on the same wave. <laughs> so, um, and yeah, the moon is close and like, I've used the moon to send messages and, um, you know, the luminaries are close. That's the beautiful thing about, uh, people that are, are not globalists <laughs> is you can you, you start to understand that uh, the luminaries are sentient and they will interact. And, you know, a lot of people, like if anybody's in the Marty Leeds work, you know, they are angels. They are the angles in the sky. So you can pray to the angles. You can pray to your angels. And uh, it's very effective. You know, the more, the more I signal my environment correctly, the more it signals me correctly. <laughs> so that, that's probably the best way I could say it. Yeah, hundred percent. And I, like, that's one of the biggest things that I've come to is that, you know, when you're looking up at the night sky, it's metaphysical, you know? And, um, and I think it's interesting because when you like from a, you know, from a physical based perspective right now, in, in terms of like how people view objective reality, it's like people view reality in terms of, you know, people can understand that when they walk through a, uh, an, an ancient wood, woodland, for example, that that is, you know, that's a conscious being, you know, we understand the mycelium network. So like it must mean that if, if kind of if nature itself is kind of a, an intelligent thing, then this, the, why wouldn't the, the luminaries be that also, you know, too? And mm -hmm. I think for me, one of the biggest things, like I said before, that I've done is it's been the praying aspect, you know, it's being like kind of speaking to God. And kind of open myself up emotionally because I think what I find this like I wanted to ask your thoughts on this as well, Chris, because I know you, you have some really good stuff to say. Um, but one of the biggest truths that I've come into contact with is that it's that this entire realm is based on emotions. It's like I mean, the people who are turning up for us are are, are, emotion, are from emotions, um, like through the law of attraction that's turning up is from our emotional state. You know, things that we need to work on, like you know, um, God is bringing things to us that we need to work on, we need to heal. Um, it's bringing things that need to be brought to balance. And then at the same time, like what I've found is that as you kind of experiment with your own like emotional state and you move through different emotions and you heal things and you, you kind of, and I know I've heard you say this before as well. And this is why I know it's true is that, like you said before, you know, your, your relationship with the stars, with the night sky becomes, you know, you don't need anyone else to tell you what it is. You know, you form that direct contact with what is going on up there and you form to some degree, you know, you form that uh, connection with god 
And um, and what I find it, what I find it, what finds going on there is that it's all coming from our from our emotions. And um, and for me, praying, like I said, I've been testing certain things, you know, where I'll kind of like emotionally open myself up in certain ways, and it can be very healing, you know, like you communicate into the night sky. And like I was similar to you, Chris, where I've been kind of like seeing, you know, it's kind of like it's hard to describe this because I'm still kind of fully not there with my consciousness yet to some degree because I still feel the parameters of where things are kind of blocked, you know. And mm-hmm. um, and I can feel it like I don't know about you. Have you ever ever like experienced where when you are like doing observations with the night sky, have you felt anything energetically or like empathically? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And like I said, becoming a non-globalist, like really open that up even more. I realize like a lot of the reasons why we're lied to is just so it truncates our connection to the whole, you know, like everything that's engineered into our society is there to, tr- to make us feel like we're isolated. And the truth is we're not isolated in the slightest. <laughs> and the luminaries are just an extension of our own light body. Even the sun is just an extension of our light body. You know, Jesus, you know, the son of God said the kingdom of heaven is within you, you know? Mm -hmm. So like our jurisdiction is direct with all the luminaries and um, we have domain over this plane of existence if we choose it. So um, it's just one of those things where once you start to eliminate the contradictions that you've been exposed to, because all lies are contradictions in nature and there are no contradictions in nature. So it's like, it's very obvious that, that everything wants to interact with you. You know, I, I say it a lot and I think it needs to be said is the most valuable commodity in the universe is our attention. That's why everything is vying for our attention. Like even humans, like when we feel needy, what do, what are we needy for? We need somebody's attention, you know, like it's almost like everything in the universe, everything that appears to be material is needy for our attention. So um, I shouldn't say it's needy for our attention, but the better way of saying it is if it exists, it appreciates knowing that, you know, it exists. (laughs) So that's I was, yeah, sorry. I was going to just add as well. I agree. And I was going to say, I think as well, I think, I think it, it I, I mean, I don't know if, what's your thoughts on this, but I think it, it also interacts through the emotional state. You know, I think it's kind of like it's presenting us things and calling upon us to kind of bring balance to certain areas in our life. I don't know if you've kind of recognized that and through your own observations and things like of, of like how reality's turning up. It's like kind of for our emotional state, it's like kind of bringing things into us that need to be brought to balance. What define for me emotion? So, for, so for me, it's hard to explain emotions through language. You know, if, if I could kind of like put it in you now, like kind of like didn't sound right. I did it put it in you. <laughs> if I kind of like transcend that across to you, it, it um, it's hard to do so. But what I what I mean by emotions is like, is that it's kind of like. So see, see, it seems really hard to describe emotions through language because for me, emotions are are something that's not physical you know it's like something that's kind of um something that comes from the soul you know like so so for example i try and do a better example of this so what i've been uncovering is a lot lately is that as i've been kind of because it ties very much into kind of like what you talk about the luminaries and how kind of like the luminaries change as you change your internal states and what i've been finding a lot is as i change my internal states and bring emotions to the surface that need to be released 
like through whatever means that is. And once I feel into them energetically, I feel the shift with inside myself, just like this, just like, um, I know you've spoke about this before about the, um, the, I, I can't remember the, I think it's called the Bowman, Bowman Dander. I think I'm not very good at pronouncing language. It's not my uh, forte, like using words, but there's, um, it's like, a, there's an image, like an ancient image that depicts Mount Muru, which has all the different spheres of like existence. <laughs> Like a lot of ancient yeah. cultures, like the Yuga cycles kind of and the Mayans, they kind of like depicted this too. And um, what I feel like is happening is that, and this is why I keep saying about the emotions, because I feel like it's very much tied to, like, I feel like them physical spheres that are represented physically in these maps are emotional states of consciousness within inside of ourselves. So as we, as we bring these emotions to the surface and we heal them, you can actually subtly on an energetic level, you can, you can feel the shifts as you move through the spheres. Um, with inside the self um, and you can kind of and I think that through that state of consciousness what happens is is um, like you said you your reality changes your physical reality you know changes things what turns up for you but also your like um, your like kind of your interaction with the stars like you know you you create your own like basically you you, you get your own form of contact with the, with the divine you know like it's kind of like the stars are different for me than they would be for you than they are for someone else you know, like the light mm. that's coming through is dependent on our inner light, you know? So as we bring right, that right. light, like as we bring that kind of the darkness forward, you know, it affects the light that's coming down, you know, like as above, so below, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think part of the whole reason why we're here, whatever this domain is, whatever this existence is, is for our capacitance to increase. So you know, through whatever soul lessons we need. And, you know, as our capacitance increases, then you can actually handle higher intensity energy. You can actually, the way I look at it, and I'm not saying this is correct, but this is just my projection is that (laughs) the day that you actually could stand in front of eternity, you have to have really high capacitance. Like you have to have like (laughs) way up there. And so souls need to be groomed by God through existence to, to actually be able to increase their capacitance and the higher capacitance souls I know have a much broader awareness of their surroundings than the lower capacitance souls I know. Definitely. And so it's, it's actually kind of mechanical, even though we're not talking about, you know, particles and billiard ball atomization, but it still is like, you're talking about the word emotion. Like it is like, it's a tangible energetic field that's given off by people's electrical body. That to me is like the size of their soul. (laughs) And the people I know that have like, I mean, can come with it. They have huge fields, you know, and I used to, when I used to do a lot of massage for couples, like I could really feel, I could feel whether or not a woman would get pregnant by a man um, very easily by how big her field was relative to his. And I I've come to think of that field now as their soul. Like that's like, that's more of like the larger, 
that's like the continuity of your your energetic being your memory even your subconscious memory it, it emanates it pulsates and it's 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 much bigger than the body so um it's it's a pretty cool thing definitely have you had many experiences with that chris because one of the things that um for me that i experienced quite a few times because i've noticed that i kind of like I said before, I think it's what I've, I mean, this is my truth is that I kind of feel like the way that I kind of like make that stronger and make that like that level of kind of um, emotional intelligence a lot stronger and be able to pick up on them things is, you know, as I start becoming a better person, basically, you know, as I start working on myself more and more, I can feel them subtle changes where I'm able to feel them parameters more. Like you said, you know, um, feel like be able to tap into emotions, you know, and um, and like you said, like the example of the the, the know when a woman's pregnant i haven't been able to do that yet but um, i've been able to kind of like feel other things you know like where people are maybe struggling or be able to kind of like pick up on on subtleties and where where maybe someone's kind of got a block or something like that or maybe where i've got a block too as well and how that's mirroring from my consciousness into their con into them con their consciousness too and um i was wondering like how how you kind of dealt with that because i've to be honest with you i've been struggling with it quite a bit because one of the things that i've been um trying to navigate is that I've had like a few examples where I've come in contact with that and it's been overwhelming, you know, it's been too much. And there's been times where I've tried to like shut that off, you know, because it's just too much being able to feel people's emotions at all times and, you know, empathically tap in in that way. And it can be overwhelming, you know? And so I feel like I went through this period where it started to come on more and more and I kind of like got a little bit scared and I was like, Oh, it's too much that, you know, so I kind of shut it off a little. And then now it's kind of, as I've got a bit more older, I've kind of, integrated it a lot better you know and it's kind of it's started to integrate a lot better now so where i can i can navigate that more kind of um a bit more effortlessly you know instead of it just being like this boom boom like here yeah. you go all the time i don't know how you've navigated yeah. that. as an empath because i'm an empath also you need to go the route of becoming a creditor what do you mean by that what do you mean by that the Bible says there's only creditors or debtors, and the majority of people are debtors. And there's also a lot of code in there that's very, very good for our development. One of the things is don't cast pearls before swan. One thing that happens to an empath, they have to get really real with knowing that the uncomfortability that they feel in themselves that is coming from other is not their responsibility to relieve. Hmm. It's not your responsibility. And to actually build enough awareness that the uncomfortability that you're feeling in yourself and the tension that you feel in yourself from that uncomfortability, it's actually... Uh, savagely selfish that you're trying to heal them so you don't have to feel that anymore so the real path of a creditor is you the creditor never feels victimhood so whenever you're in an empathic situation with somebody else you're not cold you completely own the uncomfortability in yourself from the interaction and you digest it with your awareness. You don't try and get rid of it. You don't try and shun it. You don't 
I mean, every circumstance has its, its parameters, right? But I'm saying just in a general, like, say you like the person and you're around them, they're going through a hard time. You feel the resonant pattern coming off of them, creating a dissonant pattern within you. Own the fact that you're resisting the dissonance. Like that's all it is. And you feel pressure to relieve yourself of the dissonance. Once you get to that point of awareness where you can do that, then they can be going through whatever they're going through and you're not codependent on, of them. The problem with empaths is when we were really young, we were, we, we became completely codependent with people. And so we feel like it's our responsibility to relieve tension in others so that we, we could feel a reprieve. In reality, that's, that's being a debtor. We are in debt to them with how we feel. It's utter bullshit. In reality, you as an adult can decide, oh, okay, this person's going through this. Okay, and I feel this in me. Okay, I'm going to own it within me and own it. And once you own it as your thing, then you're not externalizing the tension you feel back onto them and then trying to fix them. (laughs) That's the, that's the worst thing in the world. And like, I I've gotten into the law and the beauty of the law is it's like the final deepest uh, spiritual path I've ever come across because it really is about um, your energetic contracts, you know, and usually we contract with false idols. <laughs> so to have the capacity to understand what you're energetically linking to and contracting with, and then going, Oh no, I'm not going to contract with that. I'm not going to contract that and sever the tie and create your own terms. Definitely really powerful stuff. And just what what's coming to me there as well is, I mean, I could take this so many different places of like personal experiences. I've had that kind of validate what you said there too as well. But I wanted to kind of like speak about um what you were saying there about, because one thing that came to my mind was the the sense of like sexual partners and things like that. People don't realize that there's a transfer of energy that happens in that too, you know? And how yeah, that, yeah. Because I feel like one one big thing that I've learned in my journey is that how, how kind of, um, you know, like having them wounds within me, myself, and like kind of like feeling a lot of them, like being a young man and, and like ha- being immersed in pornography and kind of having to, you know, unshackle that kind of them, them kind of um, that programming that's put on us as a young man and still having to work through that, you know, as well. And like still deeply kind of like feeling it a lot of stuff, but understanding like how, how, you know, we, how, how it's so important to kind of like, you know, choose, you know, where, where your your I don't know what you want to call it, where your energy body, where your aura, where you kind of like move into, you know, what you what circles mm. you're in in terms of especially with your sexual partners. And that's been a huge one for me because I've had experiences as well where kind of like um in the past and like thankfully I've got a partner who um who I'm allowed to speak about this with because she does a lot of stuff online where she speaks. You guys about are beautiful, it. by the way. Oh, I really, you. I really like I really like your energy together. Really appreciate that. Um yeah, we've got a really good thing going. And I think we kind of like um we like really are open and ways that kind of like allow us to kind of share them deeper truths with people online as well mm-hmm. but we've like had experiences where you know we've kind of like as we were progressing and like in our relationship you know we 
and we were acting out of balance and things like that, you know, we could feel the presence of the entities, you know, around like kind of feeding off our auric fields, you know, like when we were in that lustful energy, you know, and then mm-hmm. moving, moving out of that place now and moving into a place where we have more respect for each other. And we've like formed a, a really powerful relationship, seeing what the difference is on the other side of that. Know when you do protect yourself and you do honor your body, you do honor your energy. Cause I think so many people don't realize like, like we like this, what we're seeing in this podcast, how how really important it is it is to kind of you know honor and see like see our souls as sacred, you know, and not just kind of like sell it out for nothing and 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 bypass you know pain that comes up or or just take immediate pleasure over kind of you know things that are much more beautiful later on down the line if you have discipline if you um and you just continue to walk the path, you know. Absolutely, women, women especially because they're the negative pole you know, in nature, their body holds on to it. Interesting. You know, forever. (laughs) It's, it's really like their womb holds on to sexual energy. Like you wouldn't believe. Um, so you think that's down to like, sorry, I was going to say, do you think that's down to being women being more kind of, because what I've noticed with my partner as well is like, just very, um, she seems, and I don't know if this is just women in general, because I haven't been around like a, enough women to kind of really to, to, to give this as a truth, but just understand being around, seeing, for example, me, me, me mom, my mother or my girlfriend, I, I feel like the, the feminine energy kind of like it absorbs energies in different ways. A kind of like, um, that's what, that's what I mean by the negative pole. Nice. The negative pole pulls in the positive pole pushes out. So women energetically were built to be impressionable. Like they're, they, they want to be impressed. You can impress, you can imprint. I mean, in fact, when, when a child is, is conceived, what that is, is her full, her full acceptance of the energy that entered her her full and total acceptance, then bam, you got the, you got the zygote, you have conception, right? So um, the woman's energetic body is that, that's how it's honored. And so when women get hypersexual, um, they end up being an agglomeration of all the men that they've been with. And usually if you're a hypersexual person, you're not with a, 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 a lot of people that really have higher order priorities. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, um, and at least I'm older than you probably by about 20 years, if I was to guess. But when I was growing up and I, even before my sexual career, when I would listen to the older boys talk, they would say, Hey, the way you get in her pants is you tell her you love her, you know? And that was like in the 1980s, like, just tell her you love her, just say you love her. And the fact is most women fall in love. Like they, they actually, you know, no matter what feminist BS is up in, in the media, women fall in love with those who, that they give their body to. Hmm. And so, and I don't think and this is my projection onto it and also probably massaging about 2000 women in my career is like, they're not built to love that many people. You know what I'm saying? Definitely. And so 
they could say it's just for pleasure, but the pleasure that they're experiencing in, in a lot of sex is performative. They're getting an ego kick out of getting someone else off. So all of these things lower their capacitance, you know, the second they start making love to some man that wants to provide for them and wants to protect them and wants that woman to bear his children. Now she's in a cocoon where her negative pole can fully flourish. Mm, definitely. You know, it's a, it, it's a really remarkable thing. I've noticed that on a personal basis, just with my partner is kind of like, as she's kind of like emotionally being able to kind of, you know, um, relax in certain ways um, because we've kind of healed certain things, just being able to come forward as a woman and uh, mm -hmm. be able to kind of like fully express that, 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 that true essence of who she is, you know, like kind of be able to, to um, bring parts of her that were kind of being suppressed down by, by herself, mostly through the wounds and things. She was now, and now they're able to come forward, like, like you said, out of that cocoon and flourish, you know, and be able to kind of express herself, even like kind of um, to some degree. I mean, like, um, no, not just metaphysical, like, from a metaphysical perspective, you know, she's able to kind of have heightened abilities of empathic abilities because she's able to relax physically. Um, but physically, you know, she's able to kind of settle into uh, the natural roles of, of what, what she's finding a woman should be for her, you know, and, um, right. And finding them organic truths that, I mean, there is a, there is truths with women, you know, that there is organic rules that women naturally um, inhabit um, at a greater velocity, you know, and, and that's what she's finding, you know, she, and then she's observing how in the past when she wasn't in that, in that kind of equanimity and she was kind of out of balance, how, how kind of, how she was so far out of them organic rules. And now she's come back into a, in who she is as a, as a, as a like, kind of like as a, um, as a full self she's able to kind of naturally just move into there without even have to think about it. No one tell her what them rules are, you know, mm -hmm. and I think that pattern, I think that pattern's there for everyone, you know, to, to kind of to, to express, cause there is truths, you know, like there is truths that are all around us. There are, there really are truths there. Like I, I, I'm actually a polarity therapist when it comes to body work. So my favorite modalities other than, deep tissue myofascial release, which I just do. So somebody's energetic body and their in their, I guess you could say their meat suit, like feels like it's being hugged intensely. <laughs> but once you get past that point, you know, for most people, it's about 45 minutes in, I can feel the defenses just drop gone. And then at that point, getting into the cranial sacral work, the, the, um, doing, you know, biodialectic cranial sacral work and polarity therapy, things rectify like left, right, and center, like stuff that would never rectify by like throwing your elbow into it. <laughs> so, and what I've noticed with women is their, their overall field has the capacity to receive much, much more so than men's fields. And I'm sure if a man was being massaged by a woman, he would be able to receive her energy better. Right. So I'm speaking about heterosexual people. So like as a heterosexual male massaging heterosexual women in, um, in heterosexual males, 
when two positives come together, it's like, it's you like, you can have a benefit. There can be that, but there is a resistance in the field. But when a positive and negative come together, there's this beautiful circuit that occurs. So a lot of times, um, my teachers in polarity therapy were, and cranial sacral work is about getting into a neutral field. Like I personally go into neutral to be able to interact with both the, the positive polarity in men and the negative polarity in women. And when I drop into neutral, their field drops into neutral. And when we're both neutral, then I can work the positive and negative on both. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. So it's really awesome, but the net that there is a net negative, meaning a net, uh, attraction in women. And there is a net projection in men like that. That is a very natural thing that I feel. Do you think, do you think some people can kind of like through just cause I'm just going through like visually through some like experiences that me, my, me, my, uh, me, my girlfriend have had and kind of like, um, noticing how the feminine energy seems to be kind of like a, sometimes a grounding rod maybe to that energy because wh- what we've experienced is like when we we kind of like we, we, when we do practice massage on each other we have felt a lot of the times how kind of as i'm as i'm kind of releasing i feel like a lot of times very physically and visually on the surface for like for my girlfriend it seems like she's absorbing a lot of that you know and like releasing it and like bringing and, and releasing kind of a lot of the I don't even know what it is, you know, because I'm still kind of like new at navigating and trying to understand fully what it is. But I've I've seen examples, for example, um, where uh, I went through like a really big experience quite a, while, a long time ago, about, sorry, about one year ago now. And um, it was an experience where kind of um, like energetically a lot of things happened. And I felt like like you were trying to express before about how like um, how I was kind of being too open and I was kind of like trying to help someone too much, you know, and I wasn't owning my shit, you know, and stuff like that. And what happened is, is like not to go too deep, but things got passed over to us. And what I actually found like through that process is that my girlfriend was actually like naturally, like every time she touched us, she was like releasing things. Like I could feel it releasing from me and going into her body. And, um, you know, I had to stop mm. her and say like, you know, like let us have your own space and energy. And like, I know you want to be there now. You want to be loving, you want to help, but you know, I need to, um, I need to own this and I need to feel it in my body. And I don't know what it is. You know, I need to kind of like allow this to come forward and, and run its course before there's any uh, interaction between anything else. I don't know if you've had any experiences like that for, uh, through your, through your journey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, all, all of what we call like physical life is pressure mediation. And so you guys having a, a, a header and I'm very specific because it works like the way energetics work in, in people that identify as homosexuals works differently than how energy flows in heterosexual people. But the heterosexual energy is absolutely every time you touch her and she touches you, there is, there is, uh, just the surface charge area. Like you could measure it would, would go down to neutral. You know, she's, she's grounding you out and you're grounding her out when that's matched with intention and then actually a knowledge, like, like I've been a grounding rod for thousands of people. It's just so that their, their excess positive charge from an electrical perspective is, is just given to, to Madre Tierra. That's what it is. 
And I mean, this happens every day of like, why do we like petting furry things? Like when you pet something that's furry, mm. there's a static field that you're embracing. So you're, she's the, the, the animal is donating energy to you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not that it's just soft and cute. There's an actual exchange and like babies need to be touched. If they're not touched, they die. And why is that? Like my little girl is two years old. She has to be wrestled with for hours a day because her body is picking up all this charge. It would be so uncomfortable if she didn't get to like roll over daddy and mommy all the time and play with the animals and have some way to let go of the excess charge. You know, there, there's, um, especially in today's environment with all the electro pollution that there is a lot of the excess charge is, uh, is oxidative. (laughs) It, it, It creates oxidative stress for the body. So it's absolutely wonderful to massage your, your, your girlfriend, you know, massage children, massage the plants. Like I love gardening just cause I, I'm a barefoot gardener. You know, my last name's gardener, <laughs> which I'm, I'm finding that I actually really love gardening. Like it's a, it's, it's one of my favorite things to do, but like I'm barefoot and I'm touching the plants and like, I wake up, I have my cup of coffee. I'm immediately outside watering and, you know, picking the bugs off the plants and all that is just completely cycling, you know, the, the, the net negative charge of the ground up into my body. And so that's the whole thing I was saying in the beginning, when you meditate on like father sky and mother earth, and you link the two, like the, the sky, the reason why it's called father sky is because it has a net positive charge and the ground has a net negative charge. And so when you become conscious of them both and understand you're the bridge between the two, the energetics between the two are constantly moving through you in a way that you can be conscious of. Yeah. I've actually had experiences. I don't know about you, but I've had experiences where I've actually um, kind of like through my physical senses, I've kind of like seen that through my eyes, like that connection that you're trying to describe there, you know, like um, the only way I can describe it is like a grid, you know, it's like a grid that's connected up there or something. Um, I mean, that was on psychedelics too, as well. I'm, and I'm not too, I'm not too sure on psychedelics anymore now, but I'm just being honest and that's what it was through, you know? Um, but I actually felt energetically, you know, I could feel how like, like, you know, when the ancients like used to talk about like, what is above, so below, you know? I never really kind of like fully understood that because I don't think it's like an intellectual pursuit. It's kind of like a, it's more of a metaphysical pursuit, you know, kind of like really kind of emotionally embodying like that connection, you know? And, um, and I think that's, that's kind of what I think what they were trying to get to, you know, that like when they're telling you like what is above, so below, um, you know, they're trying to tell you that like that, you know, the heavenly bodies, you know, mirror the, the world below, you know, like the, your inner worlds mirror the outer worlds, you know? Um, and I hundred percent believe that I was going to say before, about the um have you ever had any experiences where kind of like energetically like maybe you've kind of like um it's become too much maybe because like when you were describing like the before about using the earth as a grounding rod and gardening i had an experience where like um where like i I definitely felt like i took on far too much and um it was very overwhelming and i could actually feel like energetically where as i was putting my hands on the earth and put my feet on the earth i could feel like mother earth you know just kind of just sitting there soaking it up you know like she'd done this a thousand times you know like kind of she just expelled all this before a hundred times 
Um, mm. I don't know if you've ever had any experiences like that where you kind of you maybe felt like you've took on too much because I had this yeah. experience once where um, I mean I know certainly for example um, this happened last year because we were um, starting the off-grid journey and um, for example where we are in Portugal is like this uh, with being out of uh, Brexit now you kind of have to like move out of like countries at certain time periods and things so we were kind of like uh, fully immersed in the senses of off-grid and like relaxed into them subtle energies just like we are now and then um, what happened was is that we kind of like we, um, we had to go back to where we grew up you know to kind of like sort some things out and sort the foundations out and as we went back to where we live we felt you know like the the complete shift in frequency you know the second that we kind of got into that country we felt like the boom you know and it was just far too much I don't know if you've ever had any experiences where it's like kind of been far too much you know for you and like you kind of had to really settle back into yourself and and figure it out you know Oh yeah. Yeah. I definitely have had that. I mean, I, I left South Florida in 2004, lived in India and I wouldn't say India was like an overwhelmingly positive experience for me, but the one thing that it did break me from was my, my Western conditioning, like just the timing and pacing of everything. So when I came back to the States, I, I could really feel how intrusive um, one, the electromagnetic pollution was in South Florida. And I could really feel how everybody's clock was sped up, you know, the, the way people's projection of time, everybody was so busy and I hated it. So I chose to move to Costa Rica <laughs> and then I moved to Costa Rica and, you know, I was under the false assumption that externally I could, you know, run and, and modify this, you know, but, uh, so I did that and, um, I, I was granted by the grace of God, a few years where I could just do things at my own pace. Like I could learn at my own pace. I wasn't under too much financial stress. I could really just, you know, barter for life. And, and it was wonderful. Like it gave me incredible confidence in not being connected to, you know, civilization, <laughs> but not connected to like, let's say, call it the, uh, the world of mammon, you know? I was literally like in a, in a totally bartering, um, lifestyle, wow. which was wonderful. And when I ever, I'd come and visit the States cause my family's in Florida. Ugh, like I, I would have like a three day, I would have like a three day maxim, you know, I'd stay for longer, but by the third day I could feel like my, my, uh, I guess you would call it my permeability um, really increase. And I just finally figured that out a couple of years ago, what that was, like what was that it was, I was becoming codependent to other people's energetic permeability. So um, I've had my whole life as the battle of being an empath without knowing I'm an empath until you know, a few years ago until somebody defined it for me. And I was like, Oh, okay. But, um, in, in the United States, 
or I, I will, I'll be more specific in South Florida, my guess would be at least 75% of people are on some sort of drug all the time. And uh, what would happen to me when I come back into that environment is I would feel perforations in my auric field. And then it took me a long time to figure out, I was like, ah, that's what these drugs do. When I'm around people that take a lot of drugs, whether it's pharmaceutical or recreational or whatever, um, even people I know that are really big into all the different psychedelics that does the same thing to them. Um, it punches holes in their auric body. Like their, their, their auric field is permeable and it's just like a leaky gut, you know, <laughs> once you have a leaky gut, you know, you become allergic to food, you become allergic to, to what you're putting in your GI tract. And it's the same thing for people. They start to become allergic to other people and, uh, or other energetic fields. And because of that, it, it makes people feel alone. Like it isolates them. And once again, we're back to the whole social engineering thing of isolating people. Like this is a, um, that I, I think that's one of the goals of the, of the social conditioners is to really isolate people. And they figured out a long time ago that you could isolate people with drugs. Yeah, definitely. So, so you think, so what's your thoughts on psychedelics? Cause like, I mean, you, I'm not going to go too deep, but you spoke to certain parts of me there that that I've been feeling to and experiences that I've been having that probably is not valid to speak about now, but, um, how, what's your thoughts on psychedelics? Have you kind of like changed your perspective on it? Because I've had a few experiences that speak to what you've just spoke about there. And, um, you know, it's really kind of made us tread the, tread it with real caution, you know, and kind of like understand like what, like there is deeper things that are going on, you know, like energetically that yeah. need to be really tread lightly. Like what have you changed your opinion on, on, on that? Yeah. Yeah, I have. Um, my umbrella conceptualization is that you should never have any false idols in humans. We, we love to make an idol out of stuff, <laughs> you know, whether it's, you know, cannabis or ayahuasca or, you know, whatever, uh, Zoloft <laughs> people, we just, for whatever reason, we've been really taught to always externalize authority. And so we like to externalize authority. And when we hear, when we have a nice story about a psychedelic, we're like, oh, let's just microdose, you know, <laughs> like whatever. Um, there's nothing new under the sun. All the shamanic stuff that's out there. It's like the endless mystery school. It's always like the end, it, the, the, the period at the end of the sentence is never there. <laughs> now, can it be depending on who you're with, like who's administrating it, who actually made it, uh, what it is, set and setting, your own bioenergetics. Like there's so many, there's so many things to life, you know, life is specific. So I'll give this one example. If you're a highly disciplined person that knows their body and space and time through proprioception, and 
you know the source of whatever the psychedelic is, you know the intention behind making it, and you're in a completely safe environment in nature. Maybe it's appropriate. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. And and you don't need that much. And and like uh because the whole thing with it, like when I say it's the endless mystery school, is it's it's what I experienced in India. You know, I I was under the wrong influence. I was told that you know India was a higher consciousness. I was being sold the myth of enlightenment. And I was just like, oh, cool, you know, I'm gonna. I'm going to be a, a, a sadhu and like meditate all day and, you know, do all these things to, to, to clear my consciousness and understand my, uh, my Atman, you know, my, my, my core self, you know, and all this stuff. And I get there and I'm watching the people. First of all, it was abject squalor. The people were always lying, cheating and stealing. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is supposed to be the denouement of consciousness, yet it's total dog shit. This is just, this is, this is a business. They're selling this. And that's why I'm much more into creditors. <laughs> because what I have found is a creditor will never sit in front of people. A creditor will only come to you when you're ready for them um, because they're not the one doing it. It's God that's actually, you know, causing that, that interaction to occur. And they'll only give you what they, what you can handle. And they absolutely will only, only, only continue interacting with you. Only if you take a hundred percent responsibility for your life, like a hundred percent responsibility for everything in your life um gurus gurus are constantly loose looshing you they're constantly absorbing your juice and absorbing your energy and then they'll project that onto you saying you're absorbing their energy (laughs) (laughs) they do the whole sociopath psychopath thing where it's like they they project and attack you because they actually feel guilt for what the what they're doing you know so um don't make, don't make any psychedelic a guru, you know, don't just don't have false idols. Definitely. And I know that's a hard thing to say. Like, um, I know for me, that's been a, a tremendous, uh, journey into adulthood is learning to let go of false idols. And then also understanding the statement that there is nothing new under the sun. Like when you really understand that there's nothing new under the sun, where that should take you is in your consciousness, not following, not falling for novelty fallacy. So just because something is new to you and it's so extraordinary to you because it's so novel doesn't make it valid. That doesn't make it valid. And what I, I had done so much ayahuasca over so many years, just because my bestie in Costa Rica, he was a shaman and he had really good intentions and we grew the tracuna and the jagubi and we harvested it and built ovens to cook it and the whole thing. 
so I really trusted the guy and to this day, I trust him and his heart is really what makes it worth it. The medicine itself, eh, eh. you know, but people I've seen it, like people make that into a religion. They make that into a, a, a cult thing. And one of the coolest things I got to experience was before I ever did any ayahuasca or any psychedelic, I had studied radionics and, um, I'm very, very sensitive electrically and energetically. And so I had been exposed to radionics machines, which could, could actually, I, I could tune into the field of radionics and I was in an ayahuasca session and, you know, people talk about, it must be real because we all shared the hallucination. And that's total bullshit. I mean, there's been technology since the fifties. And so the, the tech that I think is being used worldwide is a radio. It's, it's like a, it's a type of radionics technology where at any point you have a bunch of people that drop into a certain frequency range because they're all sharing a, a, a medicine. Um, they become an antenna array. So when you have one antenna, we're all antenna, like we're all transceivers. And, but when you have say like 20 people in a Maloka in a circle that all take this medicine and then they all drop into that frequency range, they are now an antenna array, which means their, their broadcast strength and their receiving strength is like, it's a hundred times stronger. And so what occurs is that they're in every place in the world, they can read when that, when that frequency occurs, um, because we've made or, or very powerful Oregon machines, um, that, that as soon as we made them, like within six hours, we had, you know, visible evidence of, of military being on us. So the, that frequency range, every frequency can be read. And so, you know, you think you're all natural, you're outside, you're in the rainforest, wherever you're doing. And then that you create this clean spot of, of, of whatever that frequency is that's red. And guess what? You're being broadcast to. They immediately will just broadcast a radionic signal. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I tried to start telling my friends that do this for that, that do it a lot. I'm like, you cannot do it willy nilly. You have to do it on specific, um, under specific celestial influences that protect you. You cannot just do it because it's a Saturday and people have off work. And you can't just do it on an equinox that really isn't an equinox or, uh, you know, a solstice that really isn't a solstice. So I've nerded hard on this. Like when it comes to celestics and astrology, like I don't take any of this, any of this lightly. I was like, and then by the way, all the people I've talked to about this, they don't listen to me. <laughs> Like people have known me for a long time. I'm like, uh, you know, that date on the calendar actually isn't the equinox. 
like equinox means equal night and equal day. Uh, that the equinox is actually three days after that, you know, and they'll be like, no, well, what? and like, I'm like, it, do what you say you're going to do. Like if you're going to be giving this type of, of, uh, expansion you need to be able to fortify the expanded territory you know and there's only there's only certain conditions that can do that so that was a very long-winded answer that's what i think about that yeah i love that so much good stuff and like it take it so many different places i was gonna um to say as well like what come to my mind is because one thing that i've been experiencing a lot lately is kind of like um starting to come to terms of kind of like spirit influence because i thought you were when you were talking about kind of like um when you were kind of like talking about radiating and kind of like how um when when you're in that when you create that energy field how like things can pick up on it you know like you said um i think you, you said the government and things like that um i know not specifically but you're just using that as a term but like what i'm what i thought you were going to speak about was kind of like the spirit influence because um i feel like mm -hmm energetically what i've found is that um just like we were speaking before like say for example that um like some of the truths that i've come into contact with is that there is kind of like you know there is um i don't even know what the right terminology is for because i'm trying to be really conscious of how you, how, I, how i speak about this because you can use the word fallen souls you can use it people call them demonic but I, I feel like it is just kind of like it's just it's just souls that are fallen you know and um and i feel like what i've experienced i've had i've, I've felt how how their presence can become alerted through certain activities and how they can influence certain states, you know, they can influence kind of put images in people's minds. They can like buzz, mm -hmm. you, in buzz you in certain ways. Like, cause I found this, for example, when I've been in a community dynamics, I've like, I've felt, I've felt where, you know, like for example, someone's thought like they're attracted to someone, but really it's just a spirit who's buzzing someone else to try and to influence them to, to have sex with someone else, you know? because mm -hmm. they are feeding off their auric field, you know, it's like, um, the best way I've heard this described is like, um, uh, and this is where I kind of like keep talking about the emotions. Cause I think it's really important. Cause what I've found is like for our auric field, like they get in there, you know, through the auric field, you know, like if you're, if you're open and then ways and you've got wounds, you know, they get in there, you know, through your auric field. Mm -hmm. So that's how I imagine it around our auric fields, you know, and as you heal yourself yeah. more and more and come to a place of balance and love, you know, you can't, it's hard for them to get in there, you know? Yeah. No, there's definitely the the influence of of spirits and disembodied beings, um, and it does amplify their attraction to that space. Plus, you know, whoever you've ever known or ever interacted with, even throughout your lineage, is always with you right there. So, um, there are sides of it where I've had to like run energies for people that couldn't handle what, what was going through them just because I'm kind of trained as a grounding rod. <laughs> so, um, all that stuff is there. It's, it's the, the thing is, is I am of the mind that our being where we can best handle and modulate what we're experiencing is in our conscious mind uh, un unmodified you know like i don't think when when you're expanded to such a state 
and then you're having to deal with this extrasensory perception, one, you become hyper suggestible, <laughs> like mm. to the nth degree, which makes you permeable. But two, how are you going to be able to integrate that in your everyday life when your field comes back to its normal state, but yet you experience something in that expanded state? It, the integration process for most people, you're, you're coming, you're, you're looking, it's oranges to apples. It's not, it's, it, it's not really relevant to your daily life. Now I've had, apparently I have had some very beautiful moments with plant medicines, but I have to tell you, it was because my entire life has been seeking out the truth. Like literally I, my friend was trying to get me to do ayahuasca and I was like, no, I don't need another guru. I've already done the guru thing. He's like, no, it's not a guru. It's a plant medicine. It's ancient and all this stuff, all of which I found out to all be BS. Like a lot of that story about the ancient Amazonians doing ayahuasca, that was all fabricated by the CIA. Interesting. But either way, because plants, by the way, like everything's different all the time. <laughs> so the, to even say that there's even a record of like, you know, you know, no. Incorrect. But I have had benefit from it, but it's because almost everything in my life has been a benefit to me. Even my follies, like even me, you know, breaking my body doing professional sports or, you know, sleeping with the wrong woman. If you have the right frame of mind, you can make anything a benefit to you. You know what I'm saying? I just, I'm just very suspect that now that it's become an industry and when you have figureheads that constantly are promoting it, um, I'm, I'm suspicious. I don't, I don't buy it. I don't, I don't think it's this a virgin thing where people can have a truly pure experience with it. There's a whole context behind it that is is there to always have people augmenting their reality you know whether they're augmenting their reality through vr or they're augmenting their reality through drugs whoever is running this materium they really want us to stay augmented like there's a huge context so I'm contrarian. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you want me to be augmented all the time? Fuck you. I'm going to be sober. I'm sure it's interesting because what come my mind there, you've probably heard of, I know you would have heard of Edward Beniers, but when he, um, in the past, I remember doing some research and they were kind of like the ashrams. They were using the ashrams to kind of like, um, you know, they were, they were aware of like the, the consciousness that was evaded and people that was kind of more people were trying to be more kind of open and like, in, uh, interested in the metaphysical and they actually like use that against like the human psyche to kind of subdue people you know and then and i think that's why it's interesting because like the experiences that i've had um you know every single time it started to kind of like it's it starts it started to, to humble and humble and humble is in a way where like you know kind of like 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 you said you know be op be open but don't be too open you know like kind of like um it's hard to explain, but one of the things that's helped me a lot is um through when I, when I'm when I'm in these places and in, the, in these states, is like 
and, and things are kind of turning up for us is kind of trying to take it back to me center and being like, is this loving, you know, like is where the place I'm coming from here? Is that loving, you know? Um, I would no being loving isn't even appropriate. Don't you literally to be to be a creditor? You're just being. Hmm. Let the moment dictate. Don't come into a moment with this preconceived thing that you have to be any certain way. Like when you're in complete jurisdiction with that which created you, you can just be. Sometimes you have to bring the hammer. Sometimes people are acting like shit. Other times you need to be extra gentle. What makes a living man is this spontaneous, complete immersion in whatever is necessary not whatever is projected. You know, we have so much new age bullshit in our, in our conditioning around, oh, just be loving or be caring or see the best in it. No, incorrect. All of that is just a sales pitch. Yeah. The truth is, is that y- you need to get right with your, your jurisdiction, with your creator. And when you do that, you just are. You're not, you're not trying to get any spiritual punyas. You're not trying to, to, to build your fortune in heaven. You just are. And that's why you can have two people standing right next to each other. One is in heaven and the other one is in hell. Our kingdom is within. Our spiritual domain is within. And when you can just be and be in the flow of life, anybody that's ever experienced flow state knows that they're not doing it. That's the irony of flow state. When they perform the best, (laughs) when they crush the hardest, they're not the ones doing it. It's just happening. It's happening through them. So if you come into a situation with a preconceived notion, do you have a greater chance of just being just, just, doing what's exactly appropriate in that moment? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Just get right with that which sponsors your soul. And when you do that, you can just be. And sometimes you're going to have to be a shit kicker. Other times you can just, you can be a great lover. Like it, we, we're just like we're omnivorous. We're, we're omnipolar. <laughs> We have this capacity to like actually, you know, have nuance in different nuanced situations. You know, there isn't just this static uh, equilibrium that we have to maintain. That's death. We're always in this state of dynamic disequilibrium. Yeah, definitely. And just to kind of relate what I meant by that, because sometimes words are a bit sticky, but and I'll, I'll completely understand what you mean. Um, for like so the way i view obviously view that is kind of like the way i was using kind of the word loving for is and using that as my kind of grounding rod was because like where i'm at is kind of like when i'm operating in reality and like kind of like i'm mixing with different people you know it's so easy to kind of be to to not be able to see something you know or not be able to see a certain reality so um and how i view how i view kind of like my relationship to whatever this realm is that we're in 
I view it as kind of like um like my soul is kind of like the like the arbiter of this whole reality you know like my soul is kind of like um is the kind of my soul is on a journey to kind of um on the path to heal itself you know and mm-hmm. god is the which is the divine creator is kind of like you know i can't even understand it you know because it's just it's just so big you know it's so vast that i'm trying to connect to it and understand it but it's like it seems beyond my soul capacity you know it, it right now it does anyway and um the way i was kind of using like the loving example is is kind of like because i've recognized in my in my life when like when i have been ungrounded and i've been too open um or i've been too closed off i haven't really had that kind of like that that grounding fork if you want to use that word to kind of like to 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 circumnavigate where I am in my body, you know, where I am in my soul. And what I kind of like use is like to try and like in every moment, and it doesn't have to be in a moment, like I'm, I'm with you hundred percent. Like, you know, like if you need to be a shit, uh, you need to kick someone's ass, like in terms of like not physically hurt them, but kind of like, um, you know, like stand up, put boundaries in place and things like that. Uh, do so, you know, there's a time to like to, to put a boundary on your energy and there's a time to be soft, you know? Um, but at the same time, it's just kind of like sometimes, we can't see what we what we don't know you know and one of the things that's just helped me is kind of that is that mantra is that and it doesn't even have to be in the moment you know i might kind of like lose me shit in the moment or something like that and but it's afterwards when i come back to that state of like where i am in my body and i kind of like you know i just i feel into that emotion and i feel like you know was that loving you know was that coming from the highest place you know that's all i meant by that anyway just to really just all to right. really really okay <laughs> I, I get you language is sometimes very sticky that's all no, I understand. I've just been, I've been around so many men, especially that, you know, uh, I would say that the going yeah. conditioning process, at least in the West is to, to yeah. tame the male energy. Definitely. In, in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Make it impotent. Yeah. And so when I'm speaking to young men, especially, my projection onto the situation is I was set free when I actually had an older male tell me it was okay that I had this internal vigor, this internal fire. And when I, I, for whatever reason, I needed that external validation for me to finally find my true inner expression because when that was being quelled, I overcompensated with that and was much more ballistic than I normally am. But once I knew that, Hey, wait a minute, this is actually a natural, normal thing to establish boundaries, to actually create protections, to do all these types of things. I became, I became, I became whole. I actually became me or became conscious of me. However you want to look at it. And, uh, yeah, so I just, I work in tons of different retreat centers. I build retreat centers, spas, all this stuff. And I'm always inundated with the flower flowery new age language. Yeah. And, um, so when I hear love, I'm just like, ah, sometimes love is appropriate. Sometimes it's not. And what do you mean by love? You know, like the grammar, the grammar of a situation is really critical. You know, the grammar between people when they're communicating is massive. Yeah, definitely. And it's something that I'm trying to, like, kind of learn a lot more as grammar because I'm very like with me words, it's kind of, I feel sometimes like 
I feel sometimes like I'm evolving over here like so fast but then like it doesn't want to come out you know sometimes it doesn't want to come out the way it's meant to be I think language is is kind of a, is a it's always been like I don't really like my personality is kind of I was always one of them people who kind of like struggled with language you know in school and things like that and, I, mm-hmm. and also at the same time I think there's a benefit of that because I can kind of like it gives me skills in other ways you know like of operating in different ways but then it's only now in my life where I'm trying to bridge the gap between the two and understand how you materialize that and how you know language can be important in terms of like law changing things and like standing in your true power and when you were saying before mm-hmm. about like kind of like the word love and like the spirituality community it's like a hundred percent get what you mean because it was like what I was talking before about kind of like the ashrams and how you know over the last few years we've just we I think that's just kind of sorted out you know the the men from the boys if you want to use that term in terms of like what we just went through with the kind of the I call it the spice that's what I call it that's my code word <laughs> that's spice. great but um and the reason why I called it the Spice Falls because um, Sadhguru was kind of infiltrated through that lens. And I just kind of used it as a, a run with that term with the community. I just said like, oh, um, Sadhguru wants you to take the spice, you know, because he was telling everyone, mm-hmm. I, he was like, I'll take the spice last and stuff. I'll be the last one to take the spice because I'm the strongest <laughs> and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But um, so I use that terminology. But um, I think um, like there is kind of been a, you know, we have to really remain humble because like course course this area of like of like this exploration of consciousness and when people are open and diving into themselves you know there's going to be room for um people to come in there and try and infiltrate that you know of course they're going to do that you know so like we do have to be really humble and open and it's like there's been so many times as well where like um i've had like an experience where i've kind of connected to the divine or god whatever you want to word you want to put on it and i've had me ass kicked you know because i've been to I've been too like um, out there. I've been too fluffy, you know? So I think there is, mm-hmm. there is a huge, there's such a huge importance to kind of, you know, grounding that back in. And that's why I feel like for me, one of the things that's helped me on my journey to like, to ground all this big stuff and bring it back into reality is the homesteading stuff, you know, because homesteading mm-hmm. grounds it in reality. You know, you kind of like, you know, you, um, it's hard to get away from like God when you're immersed in the garden, you know, it's, you can't get yeah. away from it, you know? So that's what's helped me massively in my life. I was going to say as well, um, for astrologically as well, uh, Chris, I was wondering like, because um, like I know we talked a little bit about before about the sky clock and, and things like that, but astro- astrologically, like how, um, how do you perceive kind of like the nature of reality, like astrologically to go a little bit deeper? Uh, so in terms of like how Works, I'm under the impression, and I, I'm using my words specifically, I'm under the impression that we are spiritual condensate. All matter is spiritual condensate. What is known as ether is actually potential, and what we know of as matter and phenomenon is actually the illusion and so if if you're to look at potential versus potentiation potential has to be solid because it's everything all at once (laughs) and then when you experience something you're actually experiencing whatever it is is a very very small aspect of what could be potentiated So there are very, very highly advanced scientific civilizations that have been demonized for a very long time 
that literally looked at this earth in a in the complete opposite way that um we've been taught in in atomized physics um and by atomized physics i mean like the fact that there's particles that make smaller part that are composed of smaller particles that was debunked all the way back in aristotle's days i mean that the fallacy of that is so old and so passe so we could say that the 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 most advanced technical technological civilization that has been demonized over the last 80 years they saw the cosmology as um what the area of experience which would be uh that which is potentiated are like little holes in the swiss cheese and that which is outside of potentiation is completely solid. And their mantra was very similar to what I learned in Raja yoga, which is frequency is location. So uh, your net, your net frequency determines where your location will be. And by net, meaning you're an agglomeration of many, many different frequencies. So the, the total of that will determine where, where your consciousness is. And this is all held in your in electrical and energetic body. And for lack of a better word, our consciousness is a continuum. Like our awareness is a continuum. And the uh the social engineers want all the continuums to point in their direction you know they're the ultimate parasite because they feed off of attention and so they do their best because they have no spiritual connection like you could look at our continuum connecting us back to god you know it's like our shishumna is direct connection to our creator and because they feel that they've lost that, that they can't, they can't feel that connection, they direct everything that does have that connection in their direction as like a proxy <laughs> for God. You know, it's very, very interesting. And so the way that manifests in our manifest reality is different for every single one of us. None of us can ever walk one step in somebody else's shoes the closest you ever get to knowing what somebody else is experiencing is when you're fully in love with them like true love you know not hot and bothered lust but like a true love because then you really want to get to know them and even at that point you don't have the the antenna that's shaped like their antenna <laughs> The biggest illusion out there is that there's a we, you know, there is not a we. And so, you know, there's, you can hear it in language all the time um, with generalizations, mainly that, you know, people assume that the sun that I see is the sun that you see or whatever, whatever the phenomenon is, could not be further from the truth could not be further from the truth like 
people don't remember things the same way. They the, like it's it's all different for all of us. So we can we can have some similarities, which are essentially agreements. And you know, language makes that fun. And but even at that, even if you guys have perfect grammar, <laughs> like even my wife and I, this is like a huge thing for us is having really good grammar between us. And we've been together for close to seven years now. And even at that, we don't, her polarity is negative. My polarity is positive. Like it, we'll be talking about the same thing, but because we're coming in at from literally 180 degrees from each other, it's a different experience. You know, it's a totally different experience. Like the reason why the Eastern sun is so powerful is because relative to your axis, Mundi, the sun is coming at you. And then the Western horizon, the sun is moving away from you. Light moving to you, even though it might be the same brightness as light moving away from you, there's still a difference in direction. It feels completely different if you're sensitive to it, even though the lumens are the same. So that's what I'm saying. Life is so specific. You have no idea what anybody else is experiencing. And creditors know that. It's going to be a really good point. And with, with, with that knowledge, what you said there, it's really, really uh, massive knowledge. And like when you were saying about kind of like grounding yourself in that information, like in terms of like, because one of the things that I've tried to do, and I'm, I'm, I'm not in this place yet, is when it comes to kind of kind of the luminaries, the moon and the sun, from like more of an astrological perspective like how do i ground myself in that knowledge you know like um it seems like i've i've like kind of you know i'm so far removed from like that like of the like the true reading of what's going on in, in relationship to my own self because i know like there is there's many minds in the past who talked about how like um you can like astrologically like how we should be kind of you know we all know that kind of there's there's how the luminaries inform our birth cycles our death cycles um you know when we should grow crops so there is obviously a, um, an, an inner, inner personal relationship between our own soul and them too. How do you kind of like, how has your journey looked in terms of like, like grounding them two things, you know, together? Are you still, well, are you still I, it, like you're there? Yeah, it's, oh, more to go, it's literally more to go. just, I, I tell this to people is like the way they should see the sky is that that's their perimeter. Hmm. <laughs> It's interesting because it was a, an ancient teaching that said um, a while ago, I remember coming across and it said that um, Native Americans, I don't know if it's just kind of like mythology speaking, like because things, these things just roll off the tongue, tongue. But I remember it stuck with us and it said like that the Native Americans said that they could see kind of like the mountains on the moon, like, you know, they could see further and um, further out there. And I think um, there was a term as well, like um, that I came across a long time ago. I don't know if you ever come across this, but the word was Rishi. You ever heard of that word for Rishi? Mm hmm. So basically, yes. Rishi, like the term, my understanding of what they meant is that the term Rishi meant like kind of a accomplished enlightened master. And there was some scriptures that talked about how like only Rishi can go to the moon, you know, only Rishi can go to the luminaries, you know. So it's kind of like there does seem to be something embedded in this place where like you have to be worthy, you know, like to be able to expand your parameters. You have to mm -hmm. has to be a worthiness to your soul, you know. Yeah, you have to really be you have to let go of the contradictions. The, the main thing that limits our capacitance is how many lies we have embedded in our field. I mean, why do you think we're lied to on every level? 
you know, they don't care what lie you believe just as long as you're full of them, you know, and it's because it, it limits your capacitance. This is, gets all the way back to capacitance. So my personal way of, of witnessing what I'm witnessing is the, the sky, the, the, whatever the luminary is in the sky is the very furthest extension of, let's say, my uh, nervous system, my, my electrical body. You know, so I'm not like one of these monists that say it's all me because I don't believe that. But it's literally an extension, like my energetics extend to it. That's how I can actually be able to see it. Like one of the cool practices that uh, my, my first Raja Yoga teacher said is like, think at a, out of all the billions of quadrillions of things that could happen to you today. Why did these specific things happen to you? Well, how did, how were you able to interact with these specific people out of out of the limitless amount of possibilities and that had a profound effect on me you know and it's the same reason why like if i go outside and see like a shooting star that's special you know one i know it's not a shooting star but two it's like that you know as the bible says you know the sky is for you know signs and wonders yeah. so like okay you know, I'm, I'm now, okay. It went that direction. What's over there. Where did it come from over there? Oh, it's 180 degrees from that. And like, you just, you know, especially when you're like playing with planospheres and you actually learn how I always tell people to get a planosphere, just like old sailors used to do, you know, you can do like the little trigonometry and you kind of get like a stellarium for your phone. So you can like learn what constellations look like. And for like three years, I woke up at three o'clock in the morning and just would go outside and look at the sky and get my orientation. And also because I was a sun gazer, I really knew uh, what the globalists were trying to feed me was wrong about how the sun and the moon move in the sky. Because I was like, I'd sun gaze in, like I, I would see, like I just showed my daughter this the other day. It was first quarter moon, and so the moon was up in the sky, and yet the sun was setting. And so my daughter, at two years and two months, I was like, okay, you see, if the sun is there and the moon is there, line of sight would say that that should be a full moon. You know, if they both share the same sky, just little things like that, you start to pick up on the little nuances of what's obvious but you didn't think it was obvious because you're full of too much, you know, BS <laughs> and practice makes perfect. You know, like how old are you? Yeah, I'm 30. I don't think that when you said that, I was thinking, how old am I? I'm 33. Perfect. So, you know, jump in. Like I got into this when I was 33 also, you know, the, the living man year, Jesus year. Like I really jumped into celestics and I was just like, fully immersed in it for three years to where I got a working knowledge of it. And then, you know, the last kick in the pants with any of the globalist stuff was uh, when all the flat earth stuff came out and that was awesome. 
Yeah, it was. And now there's so much stuff out there now that that's just completely in alignment with what our, our senses tell us and our senses, the more we use them, like as an extended aspect of us, um, the stronger they get, it's just like a muscle that they start to observe more and tell you more. And, you know, you start to understand like the different en- energetics in the body and why, and it's wonderful. Well, how, how do you, what do you, how do you view the, the shooting stars? Like, what do you think they are? Cause I ha- like you said, I have like observed them from more kind of like a, like I've energetically, I've felt them, you know, as I've kind of observed them in the sky, I've, I've like felt the resonance of them, you know? Um, how do you, how, how, how do you, how have you come to conclusions on that? What do you feel like going on there? Is it communication from like the divine right. or God? Or is it just our own, like you said, it's our own access Monday, you know, just communicate. You would, well, there's how much difference between those two is there? Yeah. <laughs> so um, for me, the way I can only speak for myself, the way it's been for me, I've had like fireballs midday fly right over me that, you know, somebody would say is a meteor. You know, but when I consider what my wife and I were contemplating at the time and then having the time to, to actually see what we were contemplating, the sign that we saw and then how our life has played out, it's absolutely God, your higher self, your angels, everything is here for us. You know what I'm saying? And when it's when it's up there, it's father sky, you know, that's like, that's the male componentry of yourself. That's this thing that's like comes down and meets the horizon. It meets mother nature at the horizon, which is your heart chakra. So if you ever stand at a large body of water and you just feel your heart and gratitude, you'll notice the horizon line is your heart. Well, that's where Father Sky and, and Madre Tierra, that's where they connect. And so Father Pater, Patern is like, okay, here's some information. Here are signs and wonders that are informing you about what you were just thinking about or what you were saying. I was having a conversation with a devout Baptist woman in a complete atheist woman about my return to my senses and in everything uh, being an (laughs) anti-globalist. And I was talking about, I was literally talking about why do you only see shooting stars descending in, in the horizon? You never see them going upward. And literally we saw this fireball <laughs> it was huge. It wasn't just like a little streak. It was just this, and then that atheist woman is now completely diving into the Bible, let's say. Because it was so profound, the, the timing of the whole event. And I wasn't trying to, I wasn't trying to sell her on anything. I was just being holy authentic to what my experience is and man you know the pattern the pattern was enough to really like 
jostle her out of her low capacitance. Like the, the, there is no way you could deny that sign in the sky. And she had, she didn't to her, to her, um, how, how would you say it to her? Um, I can't think of the word, but she went ahead and dove in and she's like in a much better place for it. Yeah. And I, I found for my journey that when you do observe it like that and you like connect to it in that way, it does do something different for you, you know? And that's when you said that once you kind of, like you said, it's a muscle, you know, and once you steep yourself more in it and in, in, in that understanding and viewing like the stars like that, you know, it's like you start, things start interacting in much different ways, you know, once you kind of like use that kind of that boxed in physical kind of mindset that we've been programmed with, it kind of does something a lot different, you know? Right. Right. My friend, I'm going to have to get going. I, no my guys are getting off lunch and I have to get back on the, on the Costa Rica no, no tip. No reason. I was, I was going to say that anyway. I was going to just bring it around. We've been going for an hour and a half now anyway. It's been really, really good speaking to you. Yes. It's been wonderful talking with you also.